to start a new series today, and whenever you, you, you preach a sermon, you, you, try, you try to say something that's helpful. I, I try to have one big point. And uh, the, the topic today, repeat it with me, please, say living with purpose. If I were to ask you a question, and, and by the way, this is the question for the year, what is my purpose and why am I here? Can you say that with me, please? Come on. What is my purpose and why am I here? Next year, there'll be one word that we will focus on a lot, and that is purpose. What is my purpose? This year, I asked you one question. The question was, when you look in the mirror, is that the person you expected to be? If not, what happened? If that's not who you plan to be today, what happened? And then I spent all year answering that question. And I started the year by saying, in January, what happened to me? The whole month I taught on what happened to me. Then I taught about what happened to my money. Remember that? Then I said, what happened to my family? Then I talked about what happened to my children. That took a long time, four, four, four sermons. Then, <laughs> then I talked about I switched and said, okay, now that we've talked about for the first four months what happened, the second part of the year I said, what to do about what happened? I've talked about what happened, now what do you do? Well, I said, first of all, rethink everything. And then we talked about rethink the road you're on. And then we talked about rethink how you fight. And we spent a couple of months on that. Then I dropped in September, I dropped a series on bedroom blindness. And I talked about how you never expected to be so bound in your sexual life. You never planned to be this person who can't be faithful, who can't be loyal to one person who's, who's just everywhere and just mind and heart. And, uh, it's, just, uh, it's just absolutely a tragic way to live your life. And, and the whole series, uh, Fighting Bedroom Blindness, is one of the part of that fight series. You know, and, and it really spoke to that issue in our lives. And then I concluded the year with Take Charge. When you look at what happened to you, once you figure out what happened to you, take charge and change your life. Now, once you finish with all that, and we've talked about all that now, we looked in the mirror, decided what was wrong with us, decided where we should be. Now we must focus on our purpose. What is my purpose? Why am I here? And I'll spend several months working through this series. I'll show you things that block your purpose. I'll show you what can help advance your purpose. How to identify your purpose, your gifting. And my goal is to help you think about that word. Now, again, sometimes with preaching, you get all over the map. And, and if you get all over the map, people just don't remember. And so my goal is to give you one thing to think about. So what's the word for next year? Say with me, please. Come on. Purpose. purpose. No, you didn't say that. Like, Come on. Come on. What is it? And your question is, why are you here? Now, please note with me a quote that I just think is amazing. It's by T.D. Jakes in his new book, which we're going to be reading for the first quarter, called Destiny, uh, Step Into Your Purpose. And the reason I chose the book is because it's in alignment with what we're talking about. And you can go download it. I'm a big download the book guy. We will have some physical copies in about a week. And you can, because you, I'm really jumping ahead of the staff. I wasn't supposed to say this until next week, but I jumped ahead of the staff. So they're looking at me like, mm-hmm. So it's all good. <laughs> That's why you don't have them yet. So I, I, but I wanted to, I just wanted to get into it. I felt like I needed to move forward. So let me listen to this quote. If you have not arrived at, and I put this in bold prints, the place, 
You know, there's always the place you want to be. If you've not arrived at the place God wants you to be, to do the things God has destined you and only you to do, that longing will never go away. This deep sense of I am not in the place I'm supposed to be. And there's a sense of frustration. And sometimes I think in relationships, people put too much pressure on the other person, a friend, a father, especially husbands and wives. Your job is not to get the person to the place they're supposed to be. I love my wife. I really, really love being married to Diana. Diana is a really great person. And uh, even though sometimes she gets on my nerve. But, you know, <laughs> well, I, I want to be real. We get on each other's nerves. You know, that's just part of being married. But, but she's a great choice. I always throw that in for some humanity's sake because people just think, oh, they're so perfect. No, 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 no. We are divorce material. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, really, you, I mean, can we be real for a second? If we didn't do the right things and try to stay focused, you just, you just, it gets to be amazing. So, but I really enjoy being married to her. I really love her. But I'm telling you, if I were to make her my purpose, the reason I'm alive, if I were to make my children that, if I were to make my kids, there's there certain things I don't say. Like I live for my kids. I, I work for my kids. I don't do all that for my, I, I do, but I do believe I'm responsible. My kids are grown now, but I, 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 I believe that when my kids call me <laughs> and they ask for my help <laughs> and they dial me up, I'm supposed to be there for them. That's part of the process. But I cannot just make that my whole purpose. And, and part of what I'm, I'm trying to say in this sermon series, uh, especially today, is I've come to realize that I was making some things my purpose that really were not designed to be my purpose. Some things cannot be my purpose. Some things cannot be my purpose. Can you say that with me, please? Come on. Some things cannot be my purpose. Some things cannot be my purpose. I cannot spend my life, I cannot spend my whole life focused on that as a purpose. I can't do that. I mean, there, there are people I care about and love, and in my situation, where there's, we have, and this is not a made-up number. I'm not saying it to brag or anything. It's just the truth. There's, there's 3,200 active members in this church. And that's the truth. That's real, we've purged it every year, so we're not making up numbers. And one of the things I've learned is if I made, if I made hundreds of you, the per, my whole life my, is one of you or four of you or ten of you, then if that's all I did, I try to make everybody feel like you are, you are important to me because you are. But I understand the danger of making... Five families, all you think about are five people. And for some of you in your life, you no longer think about you. You have moved to just thinking about where you work, and that's all you think about, or, or this particular family member, or a son, or a daughter, or, and your whole life is defined by this one issue. What is your purpose? Why are you here? What is your purpose? And here's, here's the question for today. That's the question for the year. Here's the question for today. What can stop you from reaching God's purpose for your life? What, what can stop you? What is the one thing that can stop you? There are things that can, can, can stop a person. Some of you young women is who you're going to fall in love with. It's who you, it's, I'm, it's, you're gonna, you're, you are going to fall in love with someone that's going to stop you 
from reaching your purpose. They're going to become your purpose. You know, I love that, I love that um, uh, boxing match um, where Muhammad Ali got, was in this, and, and this guy, he changed his name from Cassius Clay to Muhammad Ali, and the guy uh, wouldn't, didn't want to call him Muhammad Ali. And, and Muhammad Ali said, uh, they were in the interview, he said, man, why don't you call me by my name? My name is Muhammad Ali now. I changed my name. He said, you're not going to use your mama name, you Cassius Clay. So, 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 so they went back and forth. And you know what he told him? He said, I'm going to beat you. I'm going to beat you until you say my name. You're going to say my name. And so during the fight, every time Muhammad hit him, he said, say my name. Pow, say my name. And he, he whipped him. He, didn't, he wouldn't let the fight end. Oh, no, I'm not going to end this. We're going to go a while. And, 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 and the point was, and, and I, I tell women this, don't marry somebody who makes you say their name all the time. <laughs> say my name. Say my name. Every day, you live as if this is your purpose. I, I live just to say your name. Just, just don't, don't, don't. Don't do that. Johnny, Bobby, Mary, every day, I'm, you know, it, it, it's almost like this, this place you get. And you feel it. You feel, you feel it. something inside of you says, there's a longing that never goes away that says, this is not why I'm here. This is not why I'm here. You feel it when you're standing over the laundry, right, ladies? This is not why I was created. This is not God's will for me. I, I can't believe God spent all this time to create me to come to this job I absolutely hate, that somehow this is my purpose. And so I want to identify things that stop you from getting to God's purpose for your life. What are the things that do that? And so today I'm going to highlight two of them. Now, there's more, but I'm, I'm, I want to talk about just two. And I want you to just think with me for a second, Okay. And just, just, just follow me along. This is amazingly simple but profound principle. The two words I want you to repeat with me, please, say rebellion, rebellion. and impatience. impatience. I'm going to talk about something that I call lifestyle rebellion, and I'm going to talk about something I call process rebellion. Can you say those with me, please? Say lifestyle rebellion, lifestyle and, process rebellion. and process rebellion. Now, here's, here's what I've learned that sometimes is, is really um, problematic in, in sermons. People don't leave with a, with a tool. They don't leave with a, a way of describing what they heard. So I'm trying to give you a language. You can just you say, okay, this is what he meant, and this is what it looks like, and you can see it when you leave. The first thing I want to, I want to show you is something that Jeremiah, in Jer Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 16, talked about to Israel. Jer they're about to go into a 70-year uh, bondage. They're going to be in captivity in, in Babylon for 70 years. And he describes to them why it's about to happen. That's not God's will for them. That was not God's desire. But this is going to happen because of choices they made in their lifestyle. And they became rebellious in their lifestyle. They, they didn't want to hear what God said. And here's what, here's what Jeremiah said in Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 16. I will utter my judgments against them concerning all their wickedness. They become wicked, which means bad. They become bad people. They have forsaken me, burned incense to other gods, and worshiped the works of their own hands. 
There are, there are three, four things, three things in the text, four things implied. Number one, they've changed their lifestyle. They're wicked. They've decided we're not going to do what's right. We've changed our minds. We know what's right. We were raised right. Parents taught us what's right. But we've changed our minds. We're not doing what's right. Number two, we, we, they left God. They've forsaken me, and now they're, they're following other gods. They have other priorities. I'm no longer the priority. Number three, they worship their work. Say that with me, please. Come on. They worship their work. See, and they, look, they worship the works of their own hands. It's all about, it's all about them being so focused on their jobs and what they can create with their own hands that God's no longer important, so they stop caring. That's just implied in all of those. They just stop caring. That's why they were going to go into this captivity. That's why this was not what God had purposed or planned for them. What can stop you from getting to the place God has you because of lifestyle choices. Now listen to this. This is important. There are two questions about God's purpose for your life I want you to think about. Is God's purpose for your life possible in your current state with the current layers in your life? The word layers is a word I want you to think about because the word layers has been on my mind. Bring me my layers, would you please? This is um, a simple notebook. But it illustrates this layer concept. And remember the question. Is God's purpose for your life possible in your current state with the current layers in your life? This is your issue. Your issue is normally buried beneath layers. And you can't see it on the, on, on the front end. It's when, it, when time goes by, as the weeks and the months go by, you start, as you get to know people, discovering the layers. You start learning. These are the things that probably stop them from getting the promotion. These are the habits. They come to work late. They, they take, they're offended easily. They don't do well with criticism. And you start noticing the layers. When you meet a girl and she's gorgeous, you don't know anything about her issues. It is an absolutely foolish decision to based on, based on a person's physical appearance or how good they kiss and all that other crazy stuff and assume that because they can exercise, I'll leave it there, that that somehow <laughs> is an indication that, of who they are. You don't know the layers. You don't have a clue. You, don't, you really don't. You are totally, totally in the dark. When you go start on a job and you start in this new place and you get a new career, when you first went to work where you work at now, you couldn't see these issues. They were buried beneath layers. It took you a year or two years. You had to get promoted to that department. Then you start understanding this is why we're having customer problems. This is why we're having issues because of the layers of issues. Here's a question. Is God's purpose for your life possible in your current state with the current layers in your life. What's, what, this, this is where I've been in my heart. Letting the Lord show me. So this is why I couldn't do that in your life. I couldn't free you financially because you, you like charging stuff. You, you, you know, you, 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 you see sale and you, you just, you, or, you know, hey, you, 
Look who you hang around, your friends. You know, you, you're never going to resolve the issue because you, you got to have people. You, you know, you, there are a lot of things you won't do without a crowd. And so in my life, I see how layers affect you. What are the layers you need to address in your life before you can reach God's purpose for your life? Here's a statement I want you to think about. There are many reasons behind a divorce, a financial failure, a ministry's decline, and a person's academic success that are explainable. They're all explainable if you have the power to look close enough. If you hang around a student that's really doing well in school, you can tell why they do well. Their study habits, their approach. If you look at a person's marriage, you can see, oh, this is not going to work because it's not, it's not just the person they're married to. Sometimes it's anybody they're married to because of the way they approach relationships, the way they manage love and, and life. If you look at their financial failure, you can see why. It's, it's, if you give them a million dollars, it'd be the same result. It's not the amount of money they have. It's the way they approach money management. If you look at their ministry, the way they manage the church, the ministry, you can t I can tell pastors why it's going to decline. You know, first of all, some of them, services are too long. It's, you, 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 you know, you're not clear. People don't know what you're saying. You know, you a lot of catchphrases, and it's really quick and exciting, but if you look deep into the soul of the church, you don't see unity. There's a lot of things you don't see. So if you, if you want to be really honest, you can see why it declines. If you, you can look, and it's all explainable if you were to have the opportunity to get close enough. The problem is we don't get close enough until way late. It, it, it takes years sometimes for you to really understand why. Not all the time. Not all the time. Time has taught me that many things in our lives cannot be fixed with one move, one investment, or one day of discipline. Often it takes time to peel back the layers and discover all the underlying issues that make change almost impossible. And this is so important. A couple of years ago, I did a series called Blessable, and I talked about how some people are not blessable. It's a horrible thought to look in the mirror and for God to say, that will never change. That will never, ever change. This person will never, ever, ever be able to have the kind of relationship they want. They can dream all day long. They can have this great idea of what kind of man they want. And there's no guy that's going to tolerate this behavior that, that, that would fit into the description you want. No, there's no woman. There's no woman that's going to tolerate. There's no, no woman. And you just want to say, do you see that? Can you see that in yourself? You will never, never be financially free. Listen to me. One of the biggest lies told to churches is, and, and I want to say this in a kind way, is that you're supposed to think like a nonprofit. Your goal is to have just enough money, just enough money, just enough to pay everybody, just enough money. Oh, it's, it's, you talk about a life of bondage. And then you have to get up in front of people and ask them to give. Lord have mercy. Ooh, it's terrible. You just feel like going home. Why in the world? And then they look at you like, mm hmm always talking about money. You just want to say, would you cut the lights off, let them bring a candle? I'm tired of this, you know? <laughs> you, at, at some point, you, you get to this place, and that's why this, this New Year's Eve, I'm teaching a sermon called Not Me. Just come here. It's, uh, that's my sermon. Not me. Say it with me, please. Come on. I'm not. I'm telling you. Now, I don't know about everybody else. I don't know about what you're going to do, but I can't live like that. There's something about, there's something, well, amen. Come on, amen. Praise God. I, I just can't, I can't live like that. And it's not just that. It's, 
is, is, is living in this strife every week. You know, my wife and I fighting every week and all this stuff. And, and sometimes you get to this place where you have to think, man, have I gotten to the place where my lifestyle in such rebelliousness that God will never be able to change this? How long have you been enduring this? Think about it for a second. How long have you been enduring this? And, and did you ever think it would be this long? And, and could it be because you have basically said in your life habits, this is me. This is me. And so I believe that's one of the things that stops you from getting to the purpose, the place that God wants you to be. Here's the second one. I'm done for the day. Process rebellion. Say that with me. Please come on. God had a plan for Israel, but in Jeremiah 29, where we're going to go next, that plan was a 70-year plan. They were going to go into captivity because of what I just described, the rebellion, because of their lifestyle. Nebuchadnezzar was going to come, and there was going to be a conquering of Israel, and the whole nation was going to be put under servitude. Jeremiah 52:28 says that 3,023 people were taken captive to Babylon. Now, they conquered everything, but they took 3,000 of those people and carried them to modern-day Iraq. And imagine Daniel was a part of that group, and so you have all this, all this change. And here's the hard part about it. <laughs> the hard part is, this wasn't going to be a quick process. If you, if, you, if you have notes, turn your notes over. Let me show you. And, and Jeremiah 29, 11 is the verse that I was studying, and it drove me to this, this particular sermon because that's the verse that says, I know the plans that I have for you, plans for good, plans to give you a future and hope. And I thought, what is the context of that statement? Well, the context was what we're talking about. They had become rebellious in their lifestyle, and if you read all of Jeremiah 29, you can see it. And so when they became rebellious, he then tells them, this is not the end. I'm going to change it for you. Sometimes when you go through a bad season and you make bad lifestyle choices and then you come to yourself, you think it should just change instantly. You think, you know, you should instantly have opportunity. You should instantly be received back. You should instantly. And he says, he says it's, not, it's not like that. It's not like that. He said, I want you to understand, and this is what I want you to listen, listen to the text. This is verse 10, Jeremiah 29. This is God's word on the subject. As soon as Babylon's 70 years are up, and not a day before, look at that, not a day before, I'll show up and take care of you, as I promised, bringing you back home. For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and, of, and not of evil, to give you a future and hope. Then you will call upon me and go and pray to me, and I will listen to you, and you will seek me and find me. When you search for me with all your heart, I will be found by you, says the Lord, and I will bring you back from your captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and from all the places where I've driven you, says the Lord, and I will bring you to the place from which I cause you to be carried away, captive. Now, this is the main text that's used to talk about Israel being reestablished as a nation in 1948. So, but, and, and this is a great prophetic fulfillment in our day. But the part I want you to see 
is I want you to see that this was a process. The guys who were hearing this were being told, it's 70 years away. That's the part we don't like. We don't like that process. We don't like working through, and here's a bigger statement. Some of you are not going to live to see it. This is, this is not even for you. This is for your grandchildren. This is for your great-grandchildren. See, notice, go back in your mind and think, what if your great-great-grandfather had this concept? What if he understood the power of his choices and said, we're not going to drink in this family because I don't want that in our generation's years to go. This is going to be a process, and I'm going to start a process. Sometimes we rebel against the process. We rebel against the, 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 the period of time it will take. And I, when I read this, I thought, this is amazing. What is it like to be told it's not today? This child will not change today. This is a 10-year process. This is going to be a while. And he told them, and if you read Jeremiah 29 earlier in the chapter, he said, hey, guys, might as well start planting vineyards, and you might as well build some houses because you're going to be here for a while. There's something about learning how to manage in a season that's not short. It's not instant. It's that quick. And we live in this instant coffee culture, and you want love fast. You want money fast. You want everything fast. You want to grow up fast. And sometimes if you're not careful... You don't respect process, and you rebel against it, and so you try to make things happen on your own, and you just try to find you somebody, and you just, you just can't imagine that God would say, it's going to be a minute. It's going to be a minute. It's going to take you a minute. This is not quick. You know, one, one of the verses, uh, God told Israel when they came out of Egypt, he says, I'm not going to give you the land in one day. I'm not going to give it to you one day. I'm going to give it to you little by little. Least the beasts of the field consume you. He understood that you don't have enough people to manage. You don't have enough tools to manage what you're praying for. You know, there was a time when I started, when I came here, and I, I wanted God to do certain things. But I've learned over time that the process is my friend. Amen. The process helps me. The process will, will, will give me time to catch up. And, and so some of you right now, you're, you're in a place, and maybe your lifestyle, your bad lifestyle got you there, and, and maybe you made some choices, and now you're having to go through this healing process. But, but here's what I want you to do. Don't push against the process. Say, look, okay, here, what I have to do first, and this is what's helped me, I've decided in my life to just, Trust what he said. And here's what he said. Three things God wants for me. Three things God wanted for Israel. Number one, I want to give you peace. Number two, I want to give you a future. And number three, I want to give you a hope. That is where this process will lead you. That's where I'm taking you. And, 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 and so when you think of it in those terms and you say to yourself, what is my purpose? Why am I here? I'm going there. I'm going to a place of peace. I'm going to a place where I have a future. That's where I'm headed. And so in order to get there, I have to identify, am I in a place of rebellion, Lord? Am I, am I in a place where I'm not listening to you? Am I in a place where I've, I'm beginning to worship my work, right? I'm leaving you. You're not a part of my day. You're not a part of my choices. You're not really a part of what I'm 
planning for, I've changed, and now I'm only planning for me and my kids and my future and my stuff. You know, I, I, ha I can tell you what I think the theme will be the next year. I, I, I think, and, and I can change it, right? just, just hang with me. I want to talk about our purpose this year. But then next year I want to talk about their purpose. I want, I want to talk about getting beyond my purpose and helping somebody else with theirs. I, I, I want to talk about not just living with the sense of my purpose, but I need to nail that down first so that I'm clear. But then I want to get to that place. Uh, Schreier is her name, I think, uh, Maria Schreier. She said her father would ask her every day, what have you done today to make the world a better place? What have you done? Do you realize that there's something that I think we miss when, when we live just, when we, when we, number one, don't know what our purpose is, and then, number two, we don't care about helping anybody else get there? It, 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 here's what's going to happen. Let me give you a prophecy about church. You ready? Here's what's coming down the pike, and I, and, and I mean this with, with, with uh, it's just true. There's a group coming, young people. They're in here. Who, who, there are a number of things about them that are very alarming to me. And they're very alarming for people who study church and study the future. Number one, they don't give. They, they don't give just so. If you get up and preach a tithing sermon to them and talk about the power of tithing, even though tithing is right, they will not give just to tithe. They're, they give to purpose. They give only if you can prove to them that you are open-minded and that you have a purpose and that you're making a difference in the world. If you convince them, uh, millennialists are very like, much like, if you convince them that you are only living for yourself, if you bring them in your church services and you keep them too long, I'm about to let y'all go in a minute, if you keep them too long, they won't come back. They don't want to be a part of a religious organization where all it does is celebrate a guy who speaks well and some promise of a blessing. They want to know that we have made a difference in the world. They want, a con they want concrete evidence. They won't go because their mama's mad and daddy made them go. They won't go anymore because of that. This group coming, the ones that are coming behind us, we must understand how they think. They criticize church. They are more critical than ever. They, we're 13th or so on the list of people they go to for advice. They do not look up the pastors. They think a lot of them are not honest, and they're right about that. They think a lot of them are in it for the money, and they're right about that. But the truth is, most pastors don't make any money anyway. But the point is, no, that's the truth. Most of them are way underpaid. But uh, I, I think it's important for you to understand that, by and large, they are the generation that wants to see you make a difference. They're not going to be impressed with threats. They're not going to be impressed because when you say things, they Google you while you're talking. Oh, that ain't right. Nah, yeah, he wrong about that right there. They, they, they tweeting each other in the middle of the church. He crazy. You saw that part he's made? All he did was yell the whole sermon. Whoa. I'm going home, man. They watching the news while you're up there talking. They're not paying you any attention. The world has changed. And that's why we must find our purpose. And we must commit in our future to helping others find their purpose. And I found out something. If you help people, they'll help you.
If you help people, they'll join your army. I don't want to have just a church. I want to have an army. I want to have an army of people who are committed to touching the world and making a difference. And I want us to be broad-minded people who understand that it, means, it makes no difference to anybody anymore that you are a church or that you call yourself a Christian. If you're not making a difference in the world, nobody cares. Nobody cares about what you do behind these walls. Nobody cares. Here's what they care about. When you go on the job and when you're in the community, you make a difference. And then when they say, tell me about yourself, they happen to discover that you are part of a family and that you go to this particular church. They care then. Because here's what you want them to say. Everybody that I've met that goes to that place, everybody that I've met that's a part of that fellowship has a commitment to people. Everyone that I've met, they, they're, they're givers to causes that make differences in the world. That, to me, is profound. And I, I want every staff person to have that passion. I want to have that passion. And I want you to live with that kind of purpose. Did you learn something today? Amen. I hope you did. Father, I thank you, and I give you glory and honor. I ask you in Jesus' name. Help us live with purpose. Help us, Lord God, to live with purpose. Help us to prosper with purpose. We were designed not to just exist. We were designed to make a difference in the world. We're not to allow people to drag us away down a path that is not God's purpose. Hallelujah. I keep pausing these prayers, but I want to I pray something, but I need to understand something before I finish the prayer. Next week, I'm going to pick up in Genesis chapter 11. And I'm going to talk about the Tower of Babel. And what I'm going to say is going to surprise some of you, but I already gave you some what I call cheat notes to read ahead. And, and the, the, big, the big message is going to be about having people in your life who get you to go too fast, too far, and miss God's purpose. The whole Tower of Babel was about God looking down saying, they are about to get out of my will. They are going to go too fast, too far, and, and miss my purpose. I see this with young people all the time. Too far, you 10 years old trying to find your husband. 13 years old trying to pin down your wedding date. 18 years old, and you've already given up on life. What somebody did to them at the Tower of Babel was what God doesn't want done to you. But that's next week. Father, help us to think about in our lives where we are and what is our purpose. And I pray for those today who would say, Pastor, one of the things I need to do I need to serve God. My walk with God has been damaged. My walk with God has been off. And I need to embrace today a new walk with God. 
with every head bowed and every eye closed, and you'd say, Pastor, after hearing today's message, I want you to pray a prayer for me because I want to start a walk with the Lord today. I want to leave this year. This is your last Sunday in this year. I want to leave this year changed. I want an opportunity to start fresh. And so if you desire for me to pray for you, because you know in your lifestyle and your commitment to God, you've not been there, but you want to start today. You're not going to be perfect overnight. There's a process. You're going to have to grow a little bit. But he's faithful and patient. If you want me to pray that prayer for you, raise your hand. Let me see who I'm praying for today. I see one, I see two. I see three, I see four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13. I see 14, 15, 16, 17, 20 plus. Father, I thank you for these who raise their hands. I pray for them in Jesus' name that the hand of God would be strong on their lives. I pray that the Holy Spirit would let this be the beginning of a brand new process for them. That many of them would say, you know, I really have not been walking with him, but I need to make this change. And also I pray for those who say, I was walking with God, but I slipped away. And then there are some who are saying, you know, after hearing this, this is the place I need to be. I need to be a member of this kind of place. And so, Father, I pray that they would open their hearts today. And this would be the beginning of that membership journey for them. In Jesus' name. And everybody say, Amen. Amen.